Hello and welcome to the business community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. And it's a new month. It's April already. Can you believe it? And lockdown rules have started to ease. And Tracy and I were having a little think about what things businesses might have done as a result of COVID in order to get through, which they now are adopting as sort of the norm. And, that, you know, I think that's a massive subject. And I know the business that you work for, what adjustments have you made, Tracy? Well, we were already considering a form of flexible working, but really it sort of put it on turbo boost. We, we got the flexible work in the homework it all in place within a matter of days, really. Formalised the policy within a matter of weeks. But that now seems like it's going to continue. More people come in and into the office as the regulations relax a little bit more. But I think there'll always be more homework in than we would have expected, certainly. But also the business travel, it, it obviously stopped all the business travel and we're part of a global company. So there was quite a bit of travel um, between Europe and the UK and America. And that all completely stopped and everything went online. Now, I'm wondering how much of that will come back, because I think a few people are still quite desperate to get out of the office and, and go and see the other plants and connect with people. But I don't think it will come back in quite the same quantity as before, just because we know we can do all these things more distantly. But uh, yeah, and, and then um, the thing that really made me think about this, why I suggested this topic is, um, a basic example, first aid courses. Initially, they all stopped because all the first aid courses we were sending our staff on were face-to-face -face and in classrooms, so they all stopped. And then towards the end of last year, uh, one of our first aid providers said that they were doing uh, online parts of the course. So uh, for the refresher course that we were using, it was one full day online and you could spread mm -hmm. that out over a number of weeks if you wanted to, as long as you had that bit finished before you went into the classroom for one full day. And that way they could reduce the number of people in the classroom and the, the amount of contact time. And they appear to be continuing with that model. And the feedback I got was that the online stuff was really good and they reinforced that in the classroom. Another first aid provider just stopped doing them all together, didn't take anything online, but has now reopened uh, all of the training to classroom-based training. We're, we're going with a mix of the two. We're both, uh, using both providers and seeing which of our employees prefer a bit of online and classroom and which prefer completely face-to-face. -face. So it's giving us more flexibility. So I like that. Thinking about first aid in particular, uh... Because a lot of a lot you know a lot of it is practical hands-on work you know where you are using mannequins and you know you're you're doing CPR and those types of things and I'm a member of a group um, because of the first aid for mental health that I do and um, and there's been an awful lot of um, change needed some of these are quite small businesses they've needed to buy additional mannequins because normally you know you might share a mannequin between two yeah. people. But, um, but even that, you know, they've had to alter and then, you know, much more rigorous cleaning of the mannequins and the equipment, et cetera. So, so everything down then, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so not only then have you got, um, you, you can have less people in the room, 
you've got to have more equipment. So you're generating less revenue with more initial outlays. And, and we've seen that with lots of different businesses. I, I found an article on uh, chainbay.com. Uh, Royal Mail did some research and it said that seven in 10 British firms claim to have changed their business model in response to the coronavirus crisis. And a quarter of those think that some of the changes will be permanent. So I think that not just in uh, the whole, you know, working from home thing, and we've talked about that a lot with sort of hybrid working, et cetera, but it is these tweaks because faced with, crikey, my income stream has completely disappeared. What can I do? And I think people have been really, really creative in the changes that they've made, not, not just on a very practical level, but on a, you know, on a sort of diversification level, um, which I, you know, I think is fascinating. And the article goes on to talk about some of the things that, uh, so most, the most common changes to people's business models. So for example, the most common was that uh, people revisited their marketing strategy. 20% of people did that. 13% uh, introduced more online customer service options, i.e. the online chat facility. 5% um, include introduced a takeaway or a click and collect service. We've seen an awful lot of that. Uh, and, and I think what this starts to feed into is what the expectations of your customers are now. Because yeah. once you started doing these things, it's very convenient. I'd rather talk to somebody on an online chat than sit on the phone for 45 minutes trying to get an answer, oh, you know? Definitely, yeah. But but also I think it's the length of time. So, you know, we're, we're over a year now, aren't we? And mm. so some of those changes will have been ingrained. Some will reverse, but there's been little changes as well, just with the shopping patterns, you know, how often you go shopping and the types of things you would shop for, the way that you pay cash yeah you know as re use of cash has really gone down hasn't it the way that we learn the way that we interact with each other all of these little small changes are all going to have a knock-on effect aren't they yeah and yeah well has a lot of them are ingrained now in our behaviors yeah it's i mean just using the you know the the um contactless payment thing you know i think before covid it was 30 quid or something and then it went up to 40 quid I think now it's go it's going up or Apple Pay is definitely certainly is going up to 100 quid. And I find myself, you know, going to pay and then find it, being a bit put out when I have to put my cards in and type in my pin because <laughs> you're just like, oh, well, it's just automatic. Just pay, just pay. And it's as you say, it's those little things that have just started to become much more second nature for a lot of us. Yeah. But for me also, and. I mentioned learning before, but one of the real benefits for me is that I've actually been able to attend more events than I potentially would have done if I'd been having to go in person. So conferences yeah. that potentially I, I couldn't afford or I couldn't afford the time out from work to do, I've actually attended virtually. And that's been a real big bonus for me. And I think I would be disappointed if some of those went back to only being face to face now because I potentially wouldn't be going to them. Yeah, because it's not just the cost of the ticket. It's the train. If it's, you know, if it's in London or Manchester or somewhere, it's the cost of the train ticket, possibly a hotel overnight, depending on, you know, what sort of conference it is. Yeah, just being able to. And also, I don't know about you. Um, it, it's probably a really bad habit, but sometimes 
you can attend a webinar or you can attend something and you can be doing other things. So you can go, okay, well, I'll just sort of you know, I'll half zone into this bit because it's interesting chatter, a bit like having the radio on. And then when you want to con concentrate on the particular webinar or the particular seminar, then you can, you can go into the room. And I think it's that yeah. it's a very efficient way of, of doing the same stuff. The other Which I think good. obviously is a lot of the times they record them so that you can, mm. if there was something that you were interested in or you'd zoned out or, or you'd missed one of the webinars because you were, you know, they were running two at the same time. You can go back and you can watch them, which I've done recently. I attended the CIPD student conference a couple of weeks ago and I've gone back and I've looked at some of the materials of the workshops. That I thought, oh, that's good, but I prefer to do that one. Yeah. And that, yeah. for me, has been such a benefit that if it had been just an in-person conference, it would have gone. It would have been ephemeral, wouldn't it? So where do you stand? So uh, um, we're a little way from this where pubs and restaurants are going to be open fully and freely. Um, let's hope for nice weather uh, as we go to the, you know, being outdoors again, um, if you want to if you want a pint or whatever but have you done much of the um picking up food from a pub that normally that you know that you might normally eat at or get, you know getting it delivered or yeah. we, we've done that a few times um so the, a couple of local pubs around here we did it on um new year's eve we right. normally have a big celebration with some friends and we it, cooking would normally be the centerpiece and this time we, we did a zoom with some friends but because it was too miserable just to cook for ourselves we ordered um a food and food and we collected it from a local pub that was putting the food on um yeah. and we've had deliveries from another local pub that that diversified and and part of it is me wanting to support that diversification and yeah. the other part of me is you know what it's really good and sometimes it's just nice to eat something that somebody else has cooked yeah absolutely i'll tell you what we've had a couple of are the finish at home things we were sent one. We were sent a tapas one as a gift. Um, I think it was for my husband's birthday. So you, you either you've got um, you've got like a little paella pan. You've got a little dish to make your dessert in, um, and the instructions and videos on how to do it. We've had delivery from um, a restaurant where you know everything comes and you warm it up or finish it off or whatever. And we would never have done that because we would just go to that pub or go to that restaurant and I think that what was lovely with that is that we were having a treat we didn't have to worry we didn't have to get the train we didn't have to you know somebody didn't have to drive you know you could, could have a you know a couple of bottles of wine and it, it was all really lovely so again it's that once imagine if you can do that with a load of friends you could order dinner for six people and have it delivered you know it's like well that's fantastic isn't it yeah I'm I'm a little bit nervous about starting to socialise again. It seems like such a long time since I've properly socialised. Am I still going to be able to do it? I'm not as oh. extrovert as you. I'm a little bit more of an introvert. I, I can socialise perfectly adequately, but I'm just wondering now if I'm out of practice. Yeah, it's like riding a bike. You'll get back on it and you'll be... The biggest challenge for me is going to be not hugging people. <laughs> it's just going to be odd, isn't it? <laughs> it is going to be really, really weird. But um, just a couple of other things, just about the change in the business model. The whole car thing. A lot of car garages now 
you can buy a car online. You know, rather than go to the dealership. Well, if you'd have said to, you, you know, your, your car salesman of the past, you know, the Arthur Dailies of this world, uh, one day people will be buying cars online. They'd be like, oh, no, you know, they'd need me to, to do the schmoozing, to do the... We've talked oh. about my new car, haven't we? I, I had it last September. It was all done remotely. And yeah. even when they delivered it, there was no real handover. They just sort of said, I've got to watch these videos, which I did. Yeah. And then uh, they dropped the car off. It came on the little um, trailer, dropped it off, and then they drove off. And there I was with my car. Yeah, you figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah. Watch the video if you're not sure. Yeah, I think, but I think that's fine for, you know, people who, who can adjust it and can, you know, have got access to YouTube, know how to watch a YouTube video about, you know, how to work the radio or whatever it might be. Not everybody has that, that um, inclination or ability, but I think it's, it's more than that. It's about perhaps there needs to be uh that again the hybrid you know that you have the choice yeah do you want to do you want a hands-off delivery where basically as you say they rock up and say watch these dvds uh dvds watch these <laughs> youtube videos <laughs> or do you want a hands-on delivery and that's an extra 150 quid where you know somebody will come and teach you and yeah. take you for a drive around the block and show you and given that choice, I would have done that because I'd never driven a, an electric car before, mm. so I was incredibly nervous. So mm. I did literally have to learn to drive from a video, <laughs> but it, it worked yeah. out okay. Yeah, which is the main thing, obviously. But 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 I think it's about um, some of these things. They may be chargeable, or it may be that other things are chargeable because that becomes the new normal. It's a little bit like the self serve in the checkout in the in the at the checkout. You know, some people say, well, why should I check out, you know, or check out myself, you know, or I'm stopping people having jobs if I check out myself. Whereas some people who don't like interacting with people love the self-checkout system because they don't want to yeah. make small talk with the cashier. Days I'm in the mood for just the self-checkout. Exactly. <laughs> and other days I just want to chat with somebody. So yeah, like the choice. Yeah. The other thing I've noticed is I'm quite keen to buy one new armchair, just one. I know where it needs to go. I know how where it needs to fit, so I could measure the dimensions, but I really feel like I need to go and see it and touch it and sit, and sit in it. The yeah. Armchair. Yeah. I, I don't feel at all confident buying that online. I've bought all sorts of furniture online, but this particular armchair, I need to wait until I've actually seen it in person. Yeah. And yes, so that you can actually try it. Well, you know, we've talked in the past about IKEA having the come and try the furniture and then go and order it online. So I don't know, maybe that will make a trip to Ikea easier with social distancing because they're going to have these smaller places. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's all changed, isn't it? It's going to be really interesting to see what sticks, what, you know, what changes stick and um, mm. how the behaviors bounce back or not. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. interesting. Okay. Let's move on to our review this week because um you suggested this when you mentioned the name i thought i have no idea what this is going to be it sounds a bit random and it also it, it sounds a little bit like it's a gimmick but actually laughology 
is the website that you've directed me to. Tell me why you or how you found out about laphology because I've never come across it before. No, well, I mentioned before that I went to the CIPD student conference a couple of weeks ago and the closing speaker was a lady called Stephanie Davis and she's the founder of Lathology and her talk was really, really good. The previous talks were good, but she stood head and shoulders above everybody else in the way she delivered because she was like a masterclass in how to do an online talk and engage the audience. I sent you a picture earlier on of a, a little stress <laughs> toy. There's a little yellow smiley stress toy with a, a blue vest saying lathology on it. That arrived in the post today with a curly whirly. And that is the result of one of the tools she used to engage the audience. So as far as I'm aware, there are about 15 to 1700 people in the audience of this talk that she did. And the interaction level was astounding. It was really, really impressive. So she started off by asking some questions about her, like, am I a, a cat person or a chicken person? Am I head girl or um, truant or something? I can't remember the exact phrase. And she was just asking people to type that into the chat. So people weren't talking, just typing into the chat of the webinar. And you could see it going through the chat just line after line people engaging wanting to answer because she was giving away these prizes curly whirlies <laughs> do anything for a curly whirly a curly whirly you know and people were really engaging for that and she said i've got some books to give away and she didn't mention the stress toy that was a, a a nice surprise for me um and then so every time she was going through a section she'd sort of put it out there and ask a question and people would just typing in it's the most interactive i've seen that type of online course and she just she hit the the level of it just right right from the start by asking people to judge her essentially essentially mm -hmm. you know and and try and gauge her as a character yeah so one thing i do remember she wasn't a head girl she was even expelled from school wow. <laughs> talking through all of this so yeah i'd never heard of the company before and uh, I'd not heard of the book, although I've, I've now got a copy of the book. I bought a second-hand copy from that online bookseller. Um, and it was actually published in 2013. So I feel like we should have noticed it before now. Not least because it's a fun-looking cover. It's got a picture of um, Einstein on the front with a, with a red nose, which would catch your attention. And what's so it's actually called Laughology. Yeah. The Laphology, book. Improve Your Life with the Science of Laughter by Stephanie Davis. I've not read it yet because it only came um, yesterday. Um, but just having a look at it now, it looks like um, it might be a good little read. It's only a thinnish book, but it talks about the science behind humour and laughter, the psychology of why we laugh how to think differently using humour, how to harness positive emotions and feel better and more effective communication and decision making. And that's the key thing. She was applying her talk and all of this talk about humour to um, a talk about CIPD and professional development of um, CIPD students. But I, 
I think there's a lot of business application to all of this. And, uh, Can I tell you why, why I love this? I was doing a little bit of research uh, into uh, Stephanie and it mentioned, I found um, an article about her on independentthinking.co.uk and it mentioned that she was mentored by, as a stand-up comic, by Liverpool comedian John Bishop, right? And then she trained at the Gesundheit, the Gesundheit Institute, which is, was founded by Patch Adams. And she, um, she trained to a master's in laughter, humour and personal growth. Growth. Have you come across the Patch Adams story? No, no, do tell. Oh, you must. It's, um, so it's a film. It was made into a film. It's a true story. And Patch Adams was a medical student who used laughter to make children in, um, poorly children in a, a children's hospital um, feel better and, you know, energise them, et cetera, et cetera. And people thought he was just a troublemaker, but he wasn't. And uh, Patch Adams is played by um, Robin Williams. And it's just one of, it's, uh, it's totally uplifting, but the fact that it's a true story and it really, he was, he was doing this at a time when, you know, stuffiness and, you know, we just do things by the book, by the letter. And he sort of threw away the rule book and just achieved great things for these, these young people. So if you get the chance to watch that, it's not a business film, but it is around this um, laughter um, method methodology. So uh, yeah, but I watched a little into uh, a little um, talk that she was giving. She's really engaging. And then on the website, they've got various laughologists who do all sorts of work. Um, and just watching those videos, just some really interesting snippets about how to help people with their mental health, um, how to energize, how to motivate people. So as a website, I will get the book, but as a website, it's just a really useful resource. Yeah, it's a pleasure to, to go to the website. I was surprised actually, because the book is quite, the cover's quite great, apart from the red nose mm. in the middle, mm. but the mm. website is nice, bright colors, lots of use of white space. And, and it is, it's a lovely website with resources on there that you can use as well. Yeah, yeah. And also the, the other interesting thing is that, so they have two strands. They have the, the, the workplace strand, the business strand, and then they also have stuff that they do in schools, which, you know, is about helping young people to get in touch with what they think and what they feel but do it in a really safe and fun way. Yeah. Let, let's get on to this subject then. Is there a place for humour in the workplace then? Oh, I hope so. But yeah, there has to be. I, I believe that there is. I think that yeah. using humour can really bring some benefits. But yeah. I think you might have a hard sell with some leaders to, to get that image across because the image is, you know, suited, booted, mm. professional, stern. But actually, I, I think if you can lighten the atmosphere, you create, well, creativity. <laughs> it comes yeah. from that sort of way of thinking, doesn't it? So I think there's massive benefits from humour in the workplace. I always say that I take what I do very seriously, but I don't take myself too seriously. I like that. That's good. And I, I was having a conversation with somebody today, actually. We were talking about, via Zoom, um, we were talking about... Uh, what's happened over this past 12 months 
And you know, the whole suited and booted. In fact, I put a, a post on Facebook yesterday. I said, you know, I don't want to alarm anybody, but I've just seen a guy in a suit and a tie and he <laughs> yes, wasn't at a funeral. That. Yeah. Somebody mentioned he must be going to court then. Yeah, exactly. But it was just really noticeable. You know, you're just like, oh my gosh, there's somebody who's who's in the the old fashioned way of, you know, conducting business. But I think what's really interesting is through Zoom, we've we've been invited into people's homes, even if it's just, you know, two pictures or a plant or yeah, what they choose a dog. for you to see behind them. Yeah. 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 And so I think that, you know, whether you have the stiffest upper lip going, there will there, you will have given a little bit of yourself, even if it's just the color of your curtains or the fact that you painted your wall orange. And that's what I think will come out of this is that this, the idea that you can let your guard down a little bit and people will still talk to you, engage with you, do business with you, whatever. In fact, may, may be more inclined to. Yes, exactly. That uniform. So I, I, I take that as a real positive. But, but when it comes to humour, I always, I always incorporate humour into my training. Um, if, if, if the mood is getting a little bit tense, in a meeting, then, you know, I'll make some comment just to try and it can diffuse the situation. Though, I mean, have you ever been in a, a meeting or a training course where somebody's used humour and it's been totally the wrong forum for it or the, the wrong joke in the wrong place? See, I have. you have to use it carefully. Yeah. And, and the thing that I say uh, to people is that, you know, don't tell jokes because jokes are rarely funny because pretty much every joke you say, you tell, runs the risk of alienate, alienating half the room. Yeah. You know, and so you be self-deprecating, um, use, you know, scenarios, but don't tell jokes because there's always somebody who is the butt of a joke. Yeah. And it kind of doesn't work. Um, but yeah, if you can laugh at yourself give and, and give people permission to laugh at you, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of, you know, self-awareness, really, I think. So I love... I love laughology. I think we, we can be um, revisiting that um, uh, through this year because I think there's a lot of resources. I will read the book and uh, I, I'd encourage you to have a look if you can get yourself a copy, Heather. Now, I will be checking it out. So it was tempting to profile Stephanie Davis and maybe we'll come back and do that another time. But this week we've chosen a lady called Penny Streeter and she's a managing director of a company called A24, is that right? Ambition 24 Hours, yeah, but A24 Group, yeah. A24 Group, yeah. and uh, never heard of her before, so I was uh, interested to have a look at her very interesting life story indeed. Uh, she started off in Zimbabwe, and um, and then she went to South Africa, and she, start, she left school at the age of 15, and then it gets even more interesting, doesn't it? It does. It does. She, uh, yeah, she, 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 I watched an interview and, she, you know, she, she didn't really, in fact, she, when asked um, what advice she would give to her younger self, she said, my advice would be leave school at 10 and make a start sooner. <laughs> well, she did start, she started off um, 
working in recruitment at the age of 15 and that seems to be the direction that she's gone however as with a lot of great business people she had a failure and this sounds like it was a massive failure because she was also divorced and she was left homeless and penniless living in a homeless hostel with three children that that's pretty big failure but she got back up from it and now yeah she's she's incredibly successful uh, lady who's um investing in uh, quite interesting projects come on to that in a little bit but yeah i think it was quite an it was an accidental story really she came to the uk and she did uh, in the thatcher years they had things called um youth training schemes anybody listening who's um old enough to remember those <laughs> Um, youth training scheme and she was put into an insurance company as part of the youth training scheme or youth opportunities or you know a bit like an apprenticeship I guess Um, and she didn't like it in the insurance company she thought it was dull so she decided that she'd go and be a beautician so she went along to a recruitment agency in order to get a job as a trainee beautician and um, she uh, she thought oh I quite like the idea of this recruitment thing so she started working for an agency and then she got fired for being too successful because she was commission based. And <laughs> so she was selling too much business. So her boss said, you're, you're, you're costing us too much money. So you, you're going to have to go and we're going to get somebody who's, um, who's cheaper. And that's when she went up and set, with, set up with her mother, this agency in the nineties. But, um, it was interesting when she did get back on her feet and, and she started uh, again, I think it was about six years later, which that's no mean feat, is it? She'd got three young children. Yeah. She'd failed big time, was homeless, but she started again. And one of the articles that I read said that she funded this business by moonlighting as a children's party entertainer. Yeah. Yeah. Her and her mother did um, kids discos. Her mum sounds great as well, by the way. Yeah, they sound like a right dynamic duo. And she said that they were doing these kiddie discos to get money in in the evenings and weekends. And she borrowed a desk because the first business, they spent too much money and, you know, they just weren't business minded enough, I guess. But they got a friend who sold car parts. And so she sort of blagged a desk from the corner of the office. And um, it was pretty... uh, pretty grotty and pretty grubby um but that's how how she started and she started off doing um financial services recruitment but then moved over to care home staff when the financial services business was floundering because and this is why it's called a24 she recognized that care homes often have a request for staff late at night when people aren't turning in on a shift and so that's why they decided to keep a 24-hour um, uh, agency. And which... clearly uh, was this successful uh, factor of this business because mm. it's massive now. And uh, I think Yeah, it... she's worth 200 million. <laughs> yes. And she's got an ABE and uh, she's one entrepreneur of the year. Uh, she's in the um, top 100 entrepreneurs for Management Today magazine. Um, it was one of the Fast Track 100 fastest growing companies three years on the run. Yeah, she's, she's done really, really well. And now she's renovating or renovated uh, an estate in the UK. 
It's yeah. one of the largest historic renovation projects in the UK. Don't go small, go big. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's after she opened a big uh, vineyard in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to the website, I saw free wine tastings and I thought, hello, I'm home at last. Uh, but you have to buy wine. Well, this estate in Surrey has also yep. got a vineyard as well, hasn't it? Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. Apparently England's first pinotage vineyard. Oh, oh, I've missed that completely. Well, no excuse for not going there once uh, lockdown rules are, are lightened. For research purposes, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, she. I mean, she... She was talking, I watched an interview on the Disruptive Entrepreneur, which I think we've mentioned before. Yeah, we have. Um, it's quite a big investment. It's, a, it's 50 odd minutes, the interview. Um, and basically, I mean, she can talk. I thought I could talk. She can talk, uh, which I suppose you want in an interviewee. But um, he'd ask a question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He sort of said, tell us a bit about your story. And we, you know, we basically went all the way through, right the way through to... Um, uh, practically being well, being a millionaire in the first sort of 10 minutes 20 minutes and then he starts asking her more specific questions but uh, really interesting lady and really down to earth just yeah just but she knows that she doesn't suffer falls gladly she knows that she's focused um yeah as I say her, her advice to herself was leave school at 10 and start earlier <laughs> I love that um, if you want to find out more about Penny Streeter, she's got her own website as well. So pennystreeter.net. She is on Twitter. She's Penny A24 Group, but doesn't seem to have posted since last November. So I'm not sure that's still an active account. And um, she's also on the A24 Group uh, website as well. So there's a bit of a, a backstory to her there as well. That's all we've got time for this week on the business community. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's podcast, you can find out about all the things that we've talked about over the years at our website, which is thebusiness.community. We do hope you'll join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. Music.